It's a beautiful Sabbath morning. It's uh, the only part about fall I really like are days like this. <laughs> you know, I really don't like fall very much, not only for the raininess and the leaves falling and looking ugly and all that, but also in the portent of what is to come in the next month or two. And so it's not really my favorite season. But uh, it's a beautiful day today, and uh, we're going to be talking about some issues that we need to think about and uh, understand, and hopefully it will draw us together. As I said, this is going to be a little different today. Uh, I'm going to be reading basically three passages from the Bible, and then I have two roving mics, and I will ask some questions, and I would like you to just answer uh, what you would think uh, about those questions, because they're going to be teaching us some things. And then... At the, uh, after we get through these, I'm going to do something that I warned a few people about. Um, nothing really too scary unless you don't like people. How many here don't like people? Don't see any hands, so it should be easy for you to do. What we're going to do when I get done with these texts and answering some questions, I'm going to ask that every single either person or family unit go find somebody else sitting here who they don't know really well. Maybe they don't know at all. Maybe they have been sitting in the same church for five years but really don't know very well. And pair yourself off. You can have the whole West Wing to come over to because it may be too crowded to do it right here. And sit down and talk with them for ten minutes. And you can ask some questions like, and these don't have to be the exact questions, but, you know, just some examples. Why did you choose to follow the life's work that you have done for your life? In other words, why did you choose the job that you have? Where did you grow up and what interests do you have in your life? Have you always been a Christian and what made you come to this church? What gifts or talents do you think that you could use for God? What jobs or activities would or could you do in this church? And would you be willing to invite others either over to your house or to do activities together uh, with them to get to know them better? Those are just some of the questions that you could ask to each other and, and get to know them better, who they are, what their thinking is, what their interests are, how could you help them if they need any, any specific help in their life or whatever. Um, we need to get to know each other better. You can't have a family, and we use that term all the time, don't we? Church, family. We can't have a family unless we know each other well. And that will help us, I think, um, know how to handle different situations in the church better if we really know each of us better. I want you to turn with me first to... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is our scripture reading, and we're going to read two parts of 1 Corinthians 12. The first part we're going to read is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27, 12 to 27. And I'm going to read, and you can follow along, and then I'm going to ask a few questions. For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. 
I'm going to skip to 14. For as in fact the body is not one member, but many. Think about these verses as we read these. What does that mean? The body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? In other words, if they were all eyes, <laughs> that would be a pretty funny body, wouldn't it? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the head, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, what does it say? All suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I want to ask a couple questions. Now remember, who is the eye here? Who is the ear? Did you get the point of the whole verses? Who's the eye? Who's the mouth? You are. In this congregation, there's an eye. In this congregation, there's a toenail. In this congregation, there's a heart. In this congregation, there's a hand. Question. Why does the foot want to be the eye? Raise your hand if you want to respond, and we'll have the mics come to you so we can all hear what you say. Why does the foot want to be the eye? Okay, there's a hand over here. foot thinks the eye is a better position to have, and he wants that position instead of being the foot. Okay. It may be that he feels that it's a more important position, and he wants to have that more important position, right? Is that human nature? Yes. That's human nature. 
What's Christian nature? To say, I'm glad we have an eye. We're glad he gives what he gives. Okay, another question. What does the foot, we just compared the foot with the eye, what does the foot think of the toe? What does the foot think of the toe? There's a hand back there. Probably he's in your cousin, I don't know. <laughs> okay, K- Carol has a answer up here, Tony. foot needs the needs the toe in order to balance mm-hmm okay can you get by without a toe can you still walk without a toe sure you can in fact you could probably still walk if you only had two toes so what might the foot think sometimes I'm better than the toe the toe is just a little tiny appendage of me. Don't really need all our toes. Do we all maybe think like that once in a while? That someone's not important as us? As we said before, that's human thinking, isn't it? We all are guilty of that. What is Christian thinking? I need that little toe to balance, to provide something for somebody to tickle. (laughs) There's a reason for toes. Is there any part we can easily give up without affecting the whole? Anybody want to answer to that? Is there any part that we can give up without somehow affecting the whole. Pretty hard to do, isn't it? What would happen if you'd cut off your hand? I've seen people get by. In fact, we had a man who used to come on our mission trips who had no hand, just had a big hook thing. And he worked just as hard as anybody else. But it does affect the whole. What happens if you would lose your gallbladder? Anybody here a gallbladder? (laughs) There's a gallbladder sitting in this church somewhere. We all are a part. If you lose your gallbladder, there are certain things that you can't do, can't eat. It affects your digestion. So the question, is there any part we can can easily give up without affecting the whole? The answer is no. We need every one of us. Now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 7 which is the first part of that same chapter. 
And I'm going to just read a few of the verses. Verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And then we're going to skip to verse 4. There are diversities of gifts. Now, what did we just talk about before? There's diversity of parts. And this is saying that then those parts may have some gifts. There's diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. That means if I have a gift and somebody else has a gift and somebody else has a gift, they're not all coming from different spirits and they're not all warring with each other, are they? They're all coming from the same spirit who gives them for one reason, and that's to make the body function and be whole. There are differences of ministries. There may be things that each person wants to do or can do that somebody else can't but it's of the same Lord. There are diversities of activities in the body, but it's the same God who works all in all. The manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for what? For the profit of all. So if you have one gift, is that gift for you or for the church? It's for the church, to help the church function better. I want you to turn to the last text with me, Matthew 25. And we're going to read verses 14 through 30. Think as we read how this ties in with what we just talked about. For the kingdom of heaven is like a... A man traveling in the far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went into a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made five other talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts. So he who had received five talents came forth and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more for thee besides. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides these. Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. The Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with bankers, and at my coming I would have at least received some interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. 
but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What did the one who was given one talent think of him who was given five talents? Somebody have an answer to that. Jody? Bill, you want to come with a... He thought that uh, God was a hard man, hard to serve, so he basically did what he thought was right. And what did he think of the man who got five talents, you think? Any idea? If you had been the man who had been given one talent, and then one of the other people right next to you was given five, what would you think? Okay, as we've talked before, would that be the human reaction or the Christian reaction? That's the human reaction. That's natural to all of us. Just like the vine or the, the vineyard owner that hired the, mm-hmm. the folks to come into the vineyard. Correct, correct. And paid them different or the same amount, even though they'd been there all day or one hour, right? Okay. In consideration of what we read in 1 Corinthians 12, what should he have thought, the one who had one talent, when he saw the person with five talents? Remember, we read that all gifts are for the benefit of what? Of all, the church. Gary? Uh, The Christian way you meant? Mm Mm-hmm. That uh, I'm glad that person has a lot to work with because uh, they're good at that. They're probably going to make more of it. Okay. What about the person who has five talents? What might they think of the person who has one talent? Did you ever think about it that way? Okay. The human way would be, I have much more talents than they do. What would be the Christian way of thinking? Tim? I think the one with five talents would feel that he's overburdened and that the one talent he could use for the benefit of the whole. Okay. And in fact, as you see a person with one talent starting to use their one talent, what has God promised that would happen. Pretty soon, in a year or two, they may have two or three talents. It's neat to see that growth. Does everyone have an equal amount of talents according to the parable? No, and I think we all realize that. Is that good or bad? It's neither one, is it? It's just how God has made us all. Does every body part function at the same level? No. As we talked about the bodies, obviously there are certain body parts that we have on our bodies that are more important than other body parts. They all 
function to form a whole, but some are more important than others. That's the way the world is. But the body parts still have to work together for the benefit of the whole, no matter which way it goes. Who did Jesus reward the most in the, in the parable here? Who did Jesus, or the man who gave things out, who did he reward the most? This is kind of a trick question. You could say he gave the most to the person who had the most, but really he gave the most to the person who did the most with what they had. And if you read the parable, what percentage-wise did the one who have five talents, how much did he increase? He doubled. Okay? What did the one who have two talents, how did he use them? What happened to him? He doubled too. They had exactly the same reward, didn't they? Exactly the same reward. If the one who had had one talent had gotten one more talent back, would he have gotten the same reward? Yes, he would have gotten exactly the same reward. Doesn't matter what you start with. If you use what you have for God, you will get the same reward. If you don't use your one or your two or your five talents, what will happen? It's a pretty tough saying in the end of that parable, isn't it? They'll be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whatever God gives us, whether you have one or two or three or four or five or ten, God expects us to use that part which we have for our own glory for the benefit of the group. And I hope that as we think about these texts and what they really say, because they all really fit together, they're all saying that we have to work together, we all have different abilities, different likes, different interests, but we have to merge them into moving the body forward to do the work that God has for us as a church. Now I want to... Do what we talked about in the beginning. I have a question. Yes. Yes. This doesn't have to do with this, I, but we've been talking about it, and um, it says that um, and throw that worthless service outside and into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So mm-hmm. we were talking about end times, and so I see this, and I'm like, okay, so where are we here? Do, what does this mean? Basically, the parable means that the reward of using our talents for God is salvation. And the, what will happen to those who don't respond to God and use the talents for him, they will not be saved. Okay, so does as this man just go off? No, no, it's, it's a parable. It, it oh, just, okay. it's a, just represents either salvation or not having salvation because you have not 
chosen to follow God and, and use yourself for him. Okay, I got it. So, Remember, parables aren't exactly word for word. They're thought patterns. Okay, I hope you feel brave enough to do this because I really think it will benefit us. So I want you to look around, and I want everyone involved if we can. It's not hard. You just have to be friendly with somebody for 10 minutes. That's not that hard. Uh, five minutes for one side, maybe to ask some questions, and five minutes for the other side. And don't just sit right here if you don't want. I mean, it might get kind of crowded moving around a little bit. Come over and use some of these areas. So if you see somebody now that you don't know or want to know better or whatever, simply go over there, say, I'd like to talk for a little bit, and sit down someplace in here, and let's do that for 10 minutes. And... uh, Then we'll reconvene, and I just have one or two closing remarks, okay? Don't be shy now. And don't do it just to the person sitting next to you because it's close. I want you to do it with somebody you don't know very well. Does anybody not have somebody yet? Okay. Does somebody not have somebody yet talking to them? Okay.
We're going to wind it up in a couple minutes now. Okay, I think we should be winding up. Actually, I think we could probably do this for half an hour, couldn't we? Okay, as we wind it down, I have, I have four questions to ask. I have four questions to ask, not for you to answer out loud, but only for you to answer within yourself. Why are we one day a week friends? It seems so often that the only time we see each other is on Sabbath. Ask yourself, why are we one day a week friends? Why don't we see each other more often than that? Whether to work, to play, whatever. Number two, is it possible for you to go to more church activities like prayer meetings, Bible groups, social events than you are now? Is it possible that you could spend a little more time with the church family to get to know, to support, and so on? Number three, what could I do to be friendlier to those around me in church, my church family? What could I do to be friendlier? It's always easy to say, well, those people should be more friendly to me. But it takes us to be friendly to everyone else. And the last one, if I need some kind of help, whether financial, moral support, project help, whatever it may be, 
Would I be willing to ask for help from my church family? Am I willing to help others in those same needs? Have I been the type of friend who would help whoever with his or her problems? Think about those things. Think about how you feel now. And if we can't answer in the positive on those things, maybe we need to do a little soul searching and see how we could become a much, much closer family. First of all, thank you for participating. I hope you made a new friend today. Let's bow our heads. Our Father in heaven, we know that you are our head and we are the body. But we pray that we as a body may work together, each and every part, that we may all have a common goal, and that's of representing you, of helping others, of teaching others, of letting the world know who you are. We pray that we may all do it in a concerted, in a together way, so that even though we have different talents, even though we have different interests, even though we come from different backgrounds, that we may still do in our lives and in our jobs what is best for the body as a whole. We pray that you may be with us now during the coming week, especially in the meal that's been prepared for us downstairs. We want to ask your blessing on the food that was prepared, for the hands that helped in that talent that they have, and we pray that each of us may have a good fellowship as we are eating. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.